0: When I first looked at it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been looking for. It's so plain and so easy. When you kind of see it, you're like, oh, there's this common thread through all the things you do. You ready to go? Let's go. (laughs) The Living List is about going outside of the box. It's a movement. It's a
1: hashtag. It's us and you executing all those things we always said we wanted to do. Ariel Dante And I am Brittany Sierra, and this is The Living List.
0: Living List community. So today we have a super, 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 super special guest. Um, you know, we all like to talk about our passions and finding all the things that we always wanted to do. And sometimes with that, it can be confusing. You need to learn a way to center it. So in the room, on the camera, right here in front of you, we have Lindsay Pollack, New York Times best-selling author. She is the gal that you go to when you need to know how to get it done, how to accomplish it in the workplace, how to balance your life. Um, She specializes in millennials, so she teaches jobs and employers, how to interface with millennials, which I think is great, um, because a lot of times we're considered this lazy generation or the generation who needs too much. Um, but she's that she's that conduit to kind of like navigate those situations for us. She also, I'm going to say it right now, soul sister vibes. She gives me what I need to be given. Um, I love her spirit. So uh, we are excited to talk to you, Lindsay, today. Welcome to the show, Lindsay Pollock.
2: I am a girl who loves lists. loves the I have post-it notes all over the place and I actually buy like grid notebooks so I can make little squares so I can check them off.
1: Our type of woman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seriously, um, but we, we, we kind of like discover here at The Living List, we're like, we're writing a whole bunch of stuff down, but like, are we doing it? Are we being intentional with it? And that's like really um, what it's all about. Um, but before we like jump into what we're talking about today, Icky Guy and, and how to find ours, um, I want to know like more about you and how you kind of like landed in this space of the woman to go to. So I appreciate that title. Um, It's so
2: funny, it all makes sense looking backward, but at the time I was really undecided about my life and my career. You know, I remember saying as a kid, I will never live in New York City and now I've lived in New York City happily for 22 years. So, you know, you have all these dreams that you're never sure. Um, But I kind of tell my story beginning in college um, where I was an RA, a resident advisor, and I loved it, I absolutely I think it was just the happiest year of my life kind of, you know, helping the younger students and mentoring them and, and hanging out with them. And it took me a long time after college to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I was undecided and unemployed for a while. And I ended up getting a job at a website called workingwoman.com. There was a magazine called Working Woman, which was kind of about women figuring out what they wanted to do. And I'd probably still be there, but it went bankrupt in the dot-com bust. And I started writing a blog, as you did in the early days of the internet, about kind of my experience. And that turned into my first book, which is called Getting from College to Career, which was about how I kind of figured things out in my 20s. And I leveraged that into uh, more of a speaking career, talking to college students and recent graduates, mostly on college campuses. Um, For six years, I was an official trainer for LinkedIn. So they sent me around to teach LinkedIn um, to students. And then as I got older, I kind of started following that interest to other topics that I kind of couldn't find advice about. So I wrote a book about becoming a manager for the first time called Becoming the Boss. Um, I started doing more corporate work and really heard people talking about this new group of people called the millennials, which was kind of the freshmen that that I had dealt with. Um, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm in my forties. And it was sort of this idea of how do we not criticize the next generation or shame them? How do we all kind of learn from each other? So I got really interested in generational differences and how um, your generation the millennials were kind of different from mine and previous. I wrote a book called The Remix. And everything was kind of going great until March of 2020, when the pandemic hit, I went from a fully booked calendar of speaking events to a completely empty calendar, zero business, and I'm not exaggerating at all. And I had to figure out what to do. And so I ended up writing about it, which has kind of been my mission. How do I write about the things I want to learn and interviewing people about how to get through a crisis, how to pivot your life and your career. And I ended up writing my fourth book, Recalculating. Thankfully, a lot of the speaking business has evolved, but that experience got me into online courses and doing more podcast interviews and writing a column and kind of finding this other stuff. So I don't ever want my story to sound like I knew everything I wanted to do right from the beginning. It's really about how do you keep pivoting and learning and growing? And that's why I love the message of your podcast. It's not about perfection, but about kind of constantly assessing and making choices and allowing things to happen because there is no way if you had met me in high school or college that I would think I would be where I am today.
0: That's so funny um, that you say that. I feel like as you were speaking, I'm like, is this our third hook co-host? <laughs> like, no. your past sounds so much like what we are um, going for at the Living List. Like, we're not on here saying like this is what we've done and we've been so successful at. this is what we're trying to figure out. And like, you can come with us, <laughs> hop in the car. It's gonna be messy. Sometimes I might run out of gas. Sometimes I might get a flat tire. But I'll That's tell you exactly what happened. I'll tell you how sloppy and messy it can get. And hopefully at And we can share our experiences and kind of like grow so I love that you were open enough you know it's funny I think because
2: I came of age I hate that term but we didn't have social media so it seems so obvious now for people to tell their story and talk about their day and their failures or successes it was harder to find that you know when I was kind of growing up and when I was in my 20s because all you sort of saw was people like at a holiday party or you know, at graduation or a college reunion, you didn't see that daily stuff. And I know social media can be really negative because everyone tries to be perfect, but it also shows you reality in a, in a way that I just didn't see. So when I was starting my own business, when I was undecided, I thought everybody else was perfectly successful. So I think there's such an opportunity, and this is why I'm so fascinated by millennials and now Gen Zs, that you've kind of had access to that authenticity. And I know there's a dark side of it. And I know, you know, there's sort of negative things about perfection on social media, but that just didn't exist. And so I find the more I just tell people the truth of what really happened, the sort of more real things are where I think I used to be much more of a perfectionist because I just thought everybody else was doing it right and I wasn't. And learning that everybody else was struggling too was just a huge changing point for me
1: i think that's so impactful and also shout out to the former ras because oh i I can can tell i can feel the vibe we find each other (laughs) we find
2: each other yes
1: i was also an ra at university so i completely get it and another thing i really relate to and i know our community relates to and it's kind of really the genesis of this journey that ariel the livingless community were all going on is that there was that recalibration that happened that pivot that happened in march 2020 for the whole world right and we all really got a chance to think and i think that one of the questions that why am i doing this right like, what is my purpose why am i here there has to be more to life than work right and how do i do meaningful. So I love the fact that during this time you came up with that like recalibration and that became a theme of your book because the world related to it.
2: And for me, I love my work and it went away. And so I had to sort of figure out how do I make it happen? Or, you know, I got really busy when the pandemic started because I was trying to build my business up again. And, and one of the areas where I think my life was out of alignment was like having fun or connecting with my friends because I was so worried about work. So sometimes your work is totally in alignment, but then everything else kind of falls off the tracks or your health falls off the tracks. So I think it's about, I hate the word balance because I think it's imperfect, but it's kind of about that integration and always looking at all aspects of your life, not overdoing it in one area or another.
1: You are living the living list mission. <laughs> living list mission. Um, in our first episode, Arielle and I talked about how we were excelling at work. We were doing everything that needed to be done, checking all the boxes. We were there late. We were there early. We were tired. We went every event, And we noticed that our personal lives weren't excelling at the same rate, right? They were actually falling behind drastically because we weren't taking care of ourselves. Almost every hour was spent in commute at work or taking a nap in between one of those things. Right. <laughs> and we were like, Hey, like we have to really stop thinking of all these things we want to do and actually live them. So we completely understand it. You really might be our third co-host. <laughs> I love that. It reminds
2: me, I took this um, life coaching class in my maybe early 30s, late twenties, early thirties. And one of the things that the teacher had us do is write down a list of just everything you wanted. And we all had to read our list to each other, which was horrifying. And I remember thinking, oh my God, my list is so impossible. You know, everybody, you thought people's lists would be like make $10 billion and, you know, have a vacation home in Tahiti. And number one on my list, I kid you not, this is totally true. Number one on my list was buy an alarm clock with a better ringing sound. (laughs) It was like, wow, I could probably go to Target and do that today. But for some reason, I haven't done it. Why have I not made that? T- this is the days before cell phones, right? Like, why have I not done that tiny little thing that would make my life better instead of writing about it? So I thought that it would be these huge things, but often it's those tiny changes that make a big difference. So I, I love the mission of the podcast.
0: It really is the tiny things. Um, it's it's really like I what can I do to get closer to happiness in any way? You know um, this. This week, I've been like out of whack, running crazy. And I'm like, okay, my goal is three times a week to the gym. Let me do four. You know, let me do four because I feel like so much of me is being taken away. I got it. I got to get my stake in my life and take it back a little bit. And the thing that I can do is like, nope, I don't care what's going on. If it's raining cats and dogs if the world is falling around me i'm gonna take another piece another moment for myself um and that's what we're realizing on this journey just the small intentional things Brittany talks about like how she's intentionally like doing her hair like it's so simple and but it's like something that's like big like now i feel intentionally pretty <laughs> like you know i said hey i don't care what's going on I have a thousand things to do. I'm going to get my hair done, you know? And I see the glow. I see the difference and it looks great, honey. Um,
2: It looks amazing. (laughs) I was totally noticing.
0: (laughs) She has has more volume than anyone I know, honestly. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, I'm getting like very, very, very much so soul sister vibes over here. Like I love, (laughs) I love everything that you're saying um, because it's so in line with the things that we are excited about. Um, And I think that, you know, I want to ask you sometimes when do you, did you, do you feel a difference now when you're writing about your story? Do you feel more comfortable with your story? You know, does it make you feel better about being imperfect? That's what I wanna ask.
2: Oh, I love that question. I could talk the whole time about perfectionism and, and struggling with that, as I know a lot of people could. When I submitted my first draft of my first book, Getting From College to Career, the editor wrote back to me and said, have you ever made a mistake? And I said, like, what are you talking about? And she said, all your book talks about is all your successes and all the right decisions you made and all the good ideas you have. What about the failures? What about the mistakes? And I said to her, nobody wants to read that. This is a book of advice. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. Everybody wants to read about the mistakes and overcoming them. And that was a huge turning point. Like everyone talks about in that book, the one thing they remember, I write a huge 60,000 word book and they remember that I talked about being unemployed and eating frozen yogurt with rainbow sprinkles in my bed under the covers. Like that's the story everybody remembers because they relate to it. It's real. And I always kind of think, oh, my value is five resume tips or four networking tips. And I know that stuff is good, but I think I was reminded again during COVID In the new book, Recalculating, my entire first chapter is about mindset and mental health. And I have struggled with anxiety and panic attacks for pretty much my whole life. And I never ever wrote about it publicly until COVID. I'm in my forties. I never talked about it. And now I talk about it. I take medication for anxiety. I see a therapist once a week. And the reaction to that has been absolutely phenomenal People say, oh my gosh, thank you for admitting that. Thank you for talking about it. And I think at the beginning, it didn't occur to me that anybody would be interested. And then I thought nobody will listen to my advice if they think I'm not perfect. And what I'm realizing is people listen to your advice more if you're imperfect. People will listen to your advice more if you admit to being human. And that's certainly what I am attracted to. But it's taken me many decades to realize that the more honest you are, the more authority you have. And and that's just been a huge, huge learning.
0: Absolutely. It's like you're allowed to take um, ownership of your mistakes and no one can kind of like stab at you for them. If you're always constantly like hiding them and, and, and getting away from them, you are in a space of like, hopefully they don't find out how imperfect I am if you're like listen I'm messy and I'm a hot mess but I still like me but I am a hot mess sometimes or hey sometimes I'm not perfect like yourself you deal with anxiety and and I think it's so important I, what I love about our generation and the things that are coming out right now is people are talking about mental health people are talking about like hey like I'm dealing with depression or hey I'm dealing with anxiety and I think that the more we do think speak about those things, the better it is for, you know, everybody, because now it allows someone the space when they're going through something to actually talk to somebody and not feel weird about it. Um, The the two or three things I thought that I, I wish that I learned earlier were one, nobody knows what they're doing nobody knows everyone is confused even the people who seem so buttoned up they have no idea what they're doing really we can pretend but nobody knows what they're doing did you read michelle obama's book she said you get to
2: like the white house and still everybody's kind of figuring out as they go and i'm like wait that's really terrifying but she's like it's just it's just life it's just life i totally agree
0: Yes. That's so funny. Yeah. I read her book and and it's like, and to see some of the things she said in there, it's like, but you're Michelle Obama. And she's like, I didn't even want to be this girl, you know? She's like, I didn't even want to be in that White House. I was like nagging him not to even run. Um, but but I think when you humanize people. So thank you um, for being, a, you know, it's a, it's a weird compliment. Thank you for being a human. Um, but it's so true because sometimes we try to be these perfect talking heads. And it, and it helps no one, honestly.
1: Um, we were just talking about that whole relatability and how I also So go to therapy and how I think that what we now with everyone being open and sharing their stories, that they're not actually imperfections. They're like a common thread that we all really share. My favorite thing on Twitter is when someone will tweet something about a parent or like a sibling. And then we all realize that all of our parents do this, or all of our siblings do this, or, oh, I thought it was just me, or, you know, some weird thing you might do in your house. Like I do concerts and I live alone. <laughs> and then I've heard everyone does concerts and they live alone. I'm like, wow, I actually thought that something was wrong with me, but this is what we all do. So I, I love the fact that we're now at a place where being more transparent is also helping us to be more human and more relatable and form deeper connections.
2: I admire your generation so much for that because I know, you know, going back to our RA our, our, our experience, I would never have gone to therapy in college. I would never have set foot in a therapist's office that was too embarrassing and I certainly wouldn't have talked about it. And now it's completely open or or for many people. And that's just a huge, huge step forward for all of us who need it. So I really admire that authenticity so much.
0: I'm
1: super curious because your journey is just honestly so relatable, but also relatable enough where you just want to deep dive into it so I know the one of the things we really want to concentrate on and we're really learning about Ariel brought it to us was the icky guy and that whole notion in theory and way of life I'm very curious to how you discovered it and then later on we can talk about like how you started to slowly incorporate it or maybe quickly incorporate it into your life
2: Sure. Um, So I'm not an expert on Ikigai, but I have uh, read a lot and written a lot about it. Uh, It's a Japanese concept, which essentially translates as why do you get up in the morning? You know, what's your purpose? And I had been writing a lot because I mostly write about the workplace, about how mission and purpose at work make work more satisfying, make people more... How when you have a... team of people who are all different ages, one of the ways to kind of bring everybody together is to focus on mission and purpose and to say this is why we're doing this. And it's funny we were talking about Michelle Obama, but people always ask, what are the most successful multi-generational companies you've seen? And my answer is always a political campaign. Because if you really believe in a candidate, you don't care if the person phone banking next to you is 50 years older or younger. You're just focused on the same goal. And so if we can do that at work, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to change the world every day. But if you're saying, hey, we're all rowing in the same direction, right? We all kind of have a same goal here. And maybe if you're a manager or a boss, and I think you do this really well on the podcast, like, why are we here? You keep bringing it back to, this is what we're here to talk about. And I think people feel really driven by that. So Ikigai, personally, is this combination of, of four things in it. It really is guided by four questions, which I'll just say briefly. One is, what do you love? Like, what do you really care about? Number two is what are you good at? You know, so I really care about workplace, but you know I'm not particularly good at like reviewing a resume, but I love talking about it. So I'm a speaker about the workplace. What does the world need from you? How can you be of service? And number four is what can you get paid for? Because frankly, you do also have to support yourself and make a living. But I look at Ikigai more broadly, which is kind of that bigger picture that what we talked about earlier is my life for the most part in alignment and the way i kind of apply ikigai is how do i look at my life holistically and say like i don't think i'm spending enough time with my friends or like you said you know work is going well but my health is kind of suffering so i think of it as sort of that holistic circle of different areas of my life and not having them perfectly in balance but kind of knowing you know where i am and and i'm a mom and having a kid, you know, sometimes that can be totally overwhelming, but can I balance that with some time by myself or going on a date with my husband and, and not letting one area just totally dominate or at least not dominate for too long? Um, and I purely give credit to a, a colleague of mine. I used to talk about this all the time. She's like, Have you heard of Icky Guy? Because that's like kind of what you're doing and what you're talking about. So uh, it was certainly a friend recognizing it in me, but it's a really nice philosophy to kind of think about, you know, when you want to take a step back from your life and assess where you are.
0: I definitely agree. Um, It's so funny when, um, as soon as I saw what I discovered as a Venn diagram, because I didn't know that there were two separate types of ikigai. There's the original Japanese form, and then there's the more westernized form, um, and the Venn diagram that we, you know look at as ikigai, right? So when I first looked at it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been looking for. It's so plain and so easy and so relatable when you kind of see it, you're like, oh, there's this common thread through all the things you do. So when you like discovered and and came into it and it, it was like already natural for you, were there any kind of flexes to the left or the right that you made based on like that new discovery? Yeah, you know, it comes to mind is I kind of like to use a concept like this as a tool because you could look at it and
2: say, that's so interesting. And then, you know, <laughs> go on with your life and nothing changes. One of my favorite questions to sort of get to your icky guy or, or two questions. One is, what did you love to do as a kid? Right. What did you just naturally gravitate towards? And what was the best job you ever had? And when I was struggling to figure out my career, I went to a career coach who said, what's the best job? And, and I said immediately, without even thinking, I said being an RA, but like you can't think I was naturally drawn to without thinking and, and the same with childhood. So for me, you know, when I look at that Venn diagram and where does everything overlap, it's always about people, right? And making connections with people. So for example, I'm like not super athletic and I don't really like going to the gym and working out. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I do? Here's where Ikigai came in. Well, what is my passion? What do I love? What gets me out of bed in the morning to actually do it? I now go for walks with a friend. So I never am alone. I'm turning it into something, whether I'm on the phone, talking to somebody while I go for a walk. And, you know, I'm not like a huge buff athlete, but I'm getting in the exercise, but I'm doing it with other people, which makes it more palatable to me. So I kind of tried to use it to solve a problem of an area of my life where I wanted to get better that wasn't clicking and I was not being consistent and by doing it with a friend, I was able to kind of bring it in line with what I actually enjoy.
1: Does that make sense? It does, 100%. It's, I think it's the goal, right? You want to be able to live life and check the boxes, but also make sure that you're living one that is fun and authentic to you and also centers around the things that are important to you. You know, it's, when I think about your questions, like what did you enjoy doing as a kid? It was being around my family and writing Mm -hmm. like those are the two things that I absolutely enjoy. And now I enjoy being around my family, including the family I created with my friends and coworkers and colleagues. Right. Like the family you create. And it's also still writing and telling stories, whether it's us talking on this podcast. and hearing other people's stories like when we have Lindsay as a guest or my full-time job is marketing, which is a full-time storytelling job, you know, and it's, it's very funny because in those arenas, I am absolutely mm-hmm. the happiest. Like you could take everything away and I would not care. But if you took away my family and you took away my ability to connect with people through their experiences, I would be miserable.
2: You know, it's funny cause I love to talk and I love storytelling And I remember people would say to me, oh, you like to talk, you should be a lawyer. Like they thought of a career to use that, but it never occurred to me that I could be a speaker. And Mm -hmm. so one thing I would say to people is we tend to say, oh, you're good at math and numbers, you should be an accountant. It's like, no, there are a hundred things you could do with that skill. So try not to be too restricted in your thinking that you can only do one thing with what it is. Because... I love talking, maybe I would have been a good lawyer, but I don't like conflict and lawyers are always in conflict. So that wouldn't have been a good path for me. So I also kind of encourage people to think as broadly as possible about how to use that skill set in a way that is really true to your passion and not kind of fall into the trap that, oh, you know, you like children, you should be a teacher. It's like, no, there are a lot of things you could do with that passion.
1: Also was part of the, you should be a lawyer or a psychologist gang, so completely understand. <laughs>
0: I think we have a
1: lot
0: in common. The RA, the RA path. Yep. <laughs> I love that. It's it's so interesting um, when you say like you have to think wildly, and I think about our school system and how our school system kind of like does a disservice to us. You know, like you, I don't think exploration is something that we are encouraged to do as kids. And, you know, you're like, it's like doctor, lawyer, nurse, maybe an astronaut, like, you know, and the and the more, you know, we do have music classes, but are you, does your parent wake up and say, I want my kid to be a musician? Um, if it's a classical musician, maybe, but not, you know, there's, there's all these like icky parts of jobs that you're not supposed to do. And um, I think that's like very confusing for us, you know? Um, So I love that you said, you know, like, think as widely as possible to kind of discover, you know, what you want to do. Go ahead.
2: It's funny you mentioned about children. So I have a daughter and she's 10 and I have fallen into this trap because I thought she needs to find her passion. So I signed her up for musical theater, and I signed her up for swimming, and I signed her up for Taekwondo, and I signed her for all these things. And she hated them, and she hated them, and she was complaining. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm a failure as a parent. And she finally said one day, I just want to play with my friends. And I thought, why am I trying to make her have a passion when her passion is clearly her friends, and being social, and whatever games they play together. But I fell into that trap. You have to have a talent. You have to have a skill instead of celebrating that we all have strengths and skills in different areas that might be more like emotional intelligence, as opposed to, you know how to do this particular activity. And it's really hard as a parent to get out of that trap. I have to tell you, I'm like embarrassed that I fell right into it like everybody else.
1: That's just love. I remember my, so with my little sister, my parents signed her up for all these activities because that's what they did with my brother and myself. Right. And she was in dance and she had been doing it for years. And she didn't practice afterwards, like I used to have to do. And my mom would be like, Why don't you just practice? And she's like, Because I don't want to be a dancer. And my mom was like, Oh, <laughs> well, I guess that does make sense. And I was like, I told you, just take the girl out of Kids dance. are very your wise. My mom. Kids, yes. kids are They're way closer. wiser. Yes. Yes. Yes, like you did your job. You exposed her. She got to experience it. She said she didn't like it. Let's move on. Um, I actually have a question too, speaking of moving on. With your focus or one of your focuses being the workplace and finding your purpose, I know that we've had a lot of people that are part of the Living List community and myself included, who have been in jobs or places of employment where they're like, Actually, I don't feel fulfilled, right? How do you coach someone or communicate with someone to help them figure out why they don't feel fulfilled and where they should Next it's so head.
2: common, um, and I have a, a couple different perspectives. The first is I know we're in this Great Resignation moment where everybody's quitting their jobs. That's not always the right decision, and I actually wrote an entire chapter in my book Recalculating called "Turn Any Job into a Great Job." There are things you can do, even in, now, if it's toxic or discriminatory, get out. But if it's just like not perfect and you're not obsessed and in love with it there's still a lot that you can do to figure it out. I also want to talk about, you know, you can go back to your college career center if you graduated from college. And even often in your local community, if you didn't go to college or if you're not in touch, the career centers have all these resources. And I'm a big fan of like taking an assessment test. But just as kind of um, a view of what your skills are. I really like one, I'm a spokesperson for one called Capfinity that looks at your strengths, which is what are you good at? you also enjoy it it gives you energy and so that's number one is like take a little test i mean you know i'm sure you guys read women's magazines i took every test in them what's my personality type what's this so number one there are assessments that can give you some ideas the second is in any job this isn't my passion what's my passion i talked about what did you do as a kid or what did you like to do one of the questions i would ask ask also is what are you curious about what do you want to learn more about and then go watch a TED talk about it go listen to a podcast about it. You know, whatever it is, there's some interest in you. Instead of thinking about it, wondering about it, go explore it. And you'll either find out, oh, yeah, I thought Bitcoin is interesting, but nope, like totally not interested. Or, huh, I want to listen to another podcast about that. And my friend, Lori Rudiman, who's a career coach, she always says, whenever you're in a rut, go learn something for 30 minutes. Go try something new, try something different. And in a job, I remember when I was at Working Woman and I was kind of thinking about starting my own business, I was like, what can I use this job for that will help me later on? Well, I'd like a little bit more public speaking experience. I would like to, I'm going to observe the senior people, how they speak in meetings. I'm going to ask if I can go to that training session. I'm going to try to meet people in other divisions of the company so that I can build my network. How can you use the situation you're in? I knew one woman who graduated from college um, right at the height of COVID, and she was in marketing and she couldn't find a job. So she worked at a grocery store because she could get the job. And she started talking to the owner of this local grocery store about his marketing. And she said, I, I have to get something out of it. this. And that was in her control to do that. You can't count on your job or your company to figure this out for you. So how do you almost look at your life or your work situation as a curriculum? where you can decide to learn the things that you want. So I think when in doubt, number one, learn something. And number two, meet more people and talk to more people online or in person about what they do. The biggest mistake, and I have made this too many times in my career to count is to just do this in your head something will absolutely move you forward no matter what. I had a therapist who once said, nobody ever said, oh gosh, I wish I didn't learn that. (laughs) It's like, no, usually learning and education are going to help you in some way. Um, And maybe it's because you realize you don't want to do something and that saves you a whole lot of pain and suffering. I
1: was taking notes. That's why I I, I had my phone out on the notes app like love it you're in a rut go learn something for 30 minutes (laughs) Or,
2: or you know what three minutes like no pressure do it for three minutes doesn't even have to be a half an hour
1: and i think that was insightful too because it's not just you know Things may not be perfect at the workplace, and it also puts the onus on you to make sure that you're maximizing your workplace experience, while also saying, if you're doing all of that, and it's toxic or discriminatory, and it's unhealthy for you, then leave. Like, I I absolutely love that, And I'm sure our community is going to appreciate it, too, because, you know, we talk to each other, but most of the time, we're miserable at the same time. So we're like, let's just leave. Um, So it's good to have that, that added insight.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's funny, just perspective, right? Life is about perspective. If you have someone who is is super excited about this or willing to go and think about it differently, they can, you know, make it a great experience. And then you could have someone the same exact job who's sitting there and is completely miserable. So I love that chapter. I feel like we all should read that chapter. <laughs> um, I, think that, I think that's a, a great way to think of it. Um, when it also comes to Ikigai, do you feel like it's more, more about, about how to find successful careers or it seems like a more like life balance? Because I, when i when just researching for the show, it seems like there's so many different ways to look at Ikigai. Even the original intent was that
2: it was not particularly work related. But, you know, if you think about it. I admire the younger generations for even thinking about mission and purpose at work. I mean, when I started my career, I don't think that was top of mind. I just like wanted to get a job and and start out. And certainly if I look back, you know, my grandparents, you know, coming out of World War II and the Great, you know, the Great Depression before that, they weren't thinking about purpose. They just wanted to put food on the table. So it is kind of an advanced concept or opportunity or privilege to put purpose related to work. I think- for A lot of people, and I it kind of breaks my heart to say it, but I don't know if for most people it's about purpose, but just not hating your job, right? Finding something that you know you enjoy enough to spend your day doing it. Because I think a lot of people fall into something that really doesn't make them happy. So when that happens, I do think it's important to put work in context of the rest of your life because you know you were saying if you don't love your job and they're not giving, you know, people say, oh, they're never going to give me a promotion. They're never going to give me leadership experience. Well, go volunteer for a nonprofit. Go to your church or your synagogue and find ways to lead a class. Start a podcast and become a leader yourself. There's so many more opportunities today than even I had 20 years ago to find that fulfillment outside of work. If you have it at work, great. If you don't, it doesn't mean you can't have it. You just might have to look elsewhere. Does that make sense? I, I also like, I don't want people to put all the pressure Well, work has to be my passion in my life because that's not necessarily healthy either.
0: Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense, you know? Um, but work is a lot of what we spend our time in. So I do think that um, for me in my Ikigai journey, um, I think I think my common thread is just, just um, making sure that I am able to create, positive impact in anything I do so for me I want to at least have one project that that relates to that you know I can't just kind of come in and be like okay this isn't a positive project I'm not doing it you know <laughs> I mean because that's not how work is you get paid to do things and I mean hopefully I'll find a job that's all that but like you said you can go on the side if you need a little bit more of something and, and work with your synagogue or, or your church I love that Um, to kind of find fulfillment in other areas because there are other areas of life. Or maybe your
2: purpose is to go in and work at a bank, but you bring the environmental initiative to that bank because they didn't have that energy before. Like some of it is is also kind of being an agent of change. I just want to give you one tidbit that really, really hit me hard. Um, My friend Erica Keswin uh, writes about bringing your human to work. Um, That's the name of her book and her podcast. And she says, look at your calendar. Does your calendar reflect your values and your mission? So if you say, my purpose is people, and then I'm spending 90% of my time you know, at work writing and I'm not spending any time with people, I'm not really living my purpose. So one of the things that I've actually done that's been a game changer is, although I do have my lists, I try to put my to-do items onto my calendar. So like Arielle, what you were talking about with going to the gym, instead of saying, did I go to the gym four days a week, I would look at my week and put those four days at the gym on my calendar and then work everything else around that. And that's been really powerful is to look at your time, not just your intention. And sometimes that kind of reveals to me, oh, I'm not really doing what I said I wanted to do.
0: I love that. Yeah. Cause a lot of times We're like so in our head and we're so like, oh yeah, this is my, this is what I want. This, this is where I'm headed. But are you actually (laughs) like, are you actually on a day-to-day basis headed in this direction at all? Um, So I absolutely love that. I feel like we have to have you on so like very often, Lindsay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I love it. This is not enough of you right now, but we know, you know, the world is moving very quickly. Uh, um, I want to know for those who are listening, who have no idea um, where to start with their icky guy, I think in the beginning you gave like really great tips, but specifically like if someone has no idea, they are completely confused on who they are, where to go, what are the first three steps you give that to that person um, when they come to see you?
2: Okay. So I'm going to give like the old fashioned version and I want you guys to translate it for me. I think I know what you're going to say, but I want it. what I used to say, remember when the the Sunday newspaper used to be really thick, like you get every single section. I used to say, buy a Sunday newspaper, which is, you know, like six inches thick, go through every page and circle or rip out everything that interests you, whatever it is. So what's the current version, like Instagram?
1: Yeah, go through Instagram, and save everything that speaks to you.
2: And although the thing is, Instagram is curated, though, like yeah, the newspaper wouldn't be curated. I know that's the problem. Hmm. Um, go through and just pick absolutely everything that interests you and start to look for themes. Like, huh, it seemed to be a lot of women's initiatives, or a lot of it was about health, or a lot of it was about spirituality. Okay, that's interesting. So, number one is sort of like just sort of take a very general approach to see what interests you. Um, and number two, and this totally goes to your podcast, is I do believe in a bucket list or a list of a thousand dreams or a living list. What are all the things you want to do? And your list is probably not as long as you think, but I will tell you, it's so funny you mentioned hair. One, I have very, very curly, unruly hair. And one of my things was like, finally figure out my freaking hair. <laughs> and finally, after years, I learned about keratin treatments. and blowouts and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that actually made a significant difference on my life. So what are the things you really, really want to do? So I I couldn't agree more with your podcast. And the third is, um, and this comes from like Tony Robbins, the guru, who said, if there's something you want to do or you're interested in, yes, read about it and talk about it, but go find people who are doing it. So find role models. And I think that's where podcasts and influencers and all that are so powerful. Um, Somebody once said to me, like, who are you really jealous of? And I told them they're like, cause that's what you want. And so if you look at people that you're envious of or jealous of, instead of thinking, oh my God, I hate Brittany, your hair is so amazing. Say, Brittany, your hair is amazing. Where'd you get it done? Cause I want to look like you do. Or, you know, Ariel, I love the pillows in your bed. Where did you get them? Use other people to inspire you. And that's where, like, if you look at social media, it can be really damaging and painful and, and make you feel bad, or it can be an inspiration. If you use it actively and say, I'm going to look for things that inspire me. So. Essentially I think what all three of those have in common is to kind of always have like your scanning goggles on and look for things that interest you. And then wonder why? Why is that interesting to me? Maybe I want that. I'm going to write that down. You know more about what you want than you think. But get out of your head and start looking at what's around you.
1: I love the gems. Absolutely love them. Going to absolutely. And I want to know about your hair. Do you do
2: this yourself? Do you have the extensive Dyson? Like, how do you get that swoosh in the
1: front? Because I'm obviously failing at that. Like, I have questions. Well, Ariel will tell you, it does what it wants to do, quite honestly. It looked completely different yesterday. So you never know what you're going to (laughs) get. Do not fall for the trap. Today, it just. It just wind up working out. And really only on one side because the other side didn't anything I <laughs> should have done. Just turn your head. yes yeah, So you know, you just you give them the side. Put your best face forward as they say. We absolutely enjoyed this, but we cannot let you go without you doing your own I'm down challenge.
0: Okay. So you have your list all written out. But where is the plan? One, two, three. Take a task at random. And of course, the choice is... Your- and we execute with intention. You down? I'm down.
1: So the I'm down challenge is when you take things off of your living list, you place them in the bowl, you scramble them up a little bit, shuffle, 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 and Ariel is going to pick something that you'll have to start applying to your life. And when she draws it, if it's something that you're going to commit to, you have to say,
0: I'm down. Okay. I love uh, it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Mixing, in. We're mixing. We're mixing. And I love what you put on your list, honestly. Um, we, I'm if- really
2: worried it's going to be the one you know I don't want it to be. Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: what don't you want it to be? Tell us. Eating less sugar. I knew that's <laughs> what you <the kids> wanted.
0: <laughs> what is it, Ariel? No, I- I love this one. It's one fun thing in New York to do per month. I'm oh, I'm so, so down.
2: I'm <laughs> so down. And now that I know you live in New Jersey, or Brittany, if you come up, I want to do it together. But please, everybody living list communities, send me ideas. And it has to be fun, not intellectual, not fun things to do in New York City. Oh, I'm so glad. A I'm so glad I got no,
0: that. No, now you can have some, have some sugar when you go.
2: <laughs> I know, right? Some <laughs> things that preferably involve sugar.
1: You <laughs> have to take a picture and video and send it to us so that we can share the update a month from now. I'm so excited for you. I promise I'm down and I will take a photo.
0: And I'm down to go with you. So we got to set it up. We'll definitely. Okay, do fun. Maybe I'll the trapeze thing. Face.
2: Like, yeah, you tell me.
0: Trapezing. I did trapezing. I love trapezing. We got to wait till it gets sunny outside again. I did trapezing right, right. I got to tell you where it's, it's literally so close. It's fun too. Okay. Um,
2: I'm
1: not necessarily down, but maybe down. But sure. <laughs> I have to think about it. Don't let Ariel bully you into doing something else. <laughs> Lindsay, we are so happy that you were able to join our Living List community and really, really add some insightful icky guy. Uh, conversations definitely help us when it comes to workplace and purpose and just life and really kind of discovering the balance in it and all the ways that we can channel our inner icky guy and really find our purpose and mission in
0: life.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I love the show. Thank you to everyone who listens and I look forward to being in touch.
0: Yes, thank you, Lindsay you're welcome here. You know, your family, this, this is your home. Don't not come in. (laughs) The Living List is open (laughs) to you.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Guys, if this was impactful for you, please definitely contact us at Living List Life. Let us know. We need to know what our community needs and wants and wants to hear a little bit more of. So at Living List Life on all social platforms, we are now on TikTok. We uh, are just getting started, so come visit us, um, and it's The Living List on TikTok. So on behalf of myself, Ariel Dante, and my amazing, beautiful, bounce, bountiful hair co-host, Brittany, um, this is The Living List, and we love you for it. Mwah.